Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Devon, England, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from Wellington, New Zealand, is David Wood. It was a strange, strange period, I think. Especially the first show, that was really quite nerve-wracking. It was. Um, we talked about doing a show for quite a while beforehand. I think yeah, for I, a few months. Wasn't it kind of born out of... Um, we got chatting on Twitter and then we decided to be accountable each, to each other for our blogging. Um, yes. Suffice to say, both of our blogs no longer exist. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and then I, I think I randomly said, I uh, keep thinking maybe I want to do a podcast someday. And then you were like, oh yeah, me too. And then it's kind of like, huh, all right, keep that in the back of my mind. I think yep. that must have been like, what, September time? It was it was September time, twenty sixteen, because um, I, I had quit working for um, working for my old corporate job a few months before, and I bought a microphone, snowball mic, with the intention of starting a podcast at some point, sort of around that period. Oh, didn't you get like some vouchers or something for Maplin? Yes. Left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I had I had like um, it was some Apple Store vouchers, I think, actually, and the the mic came from there. Yeah, so I, I picked up this mic and it kind of just sat there on the desk, taunting me for a few months. And our conversations about blogging had gone in that direction, and then we'd both sort of hit on well, thinking about doing this podcast thing. Uh, that would be September, and then you went to we New Zealand. Did Yep, we did our big holiday to New Zealand in the November that year. And then Christmas happened, we were back in the UK, and coming into 2017, and I seem to remember just talking to you and sort of saying, oh, I think we should should probably get on with this, and you were sort of in a similar kind of frame of mind. Yeah, it's just before Christmas, I think we ended up chatting on Slack, as in their sort of Skype thing that they build in their audio call um yep and that was before i think before i had a, a proper mic i think i was using my um you know like the mic that comes with my um ear pods or whatever um but yeah when i think i must have spent pretty much from mid-december to mid-january just looking at, at gear online <laughs> as to what, what i should be <laughs> I, I totally went down that rabbit hole um yeah <laughs> probably shouldn't have done in hindsight i maybe um Maybe that was a tool for procrastination, um, because the actual the actual prospect of doing a podcast seemed quite daunting to me. Like actually putting my voice out there and potentially being judged on it, and you know all the rest of it. Um, so I think looking at you know USB interfaces and dynamic versus condenser mics, and reading all of the blog posts, um, I must have spent so many hours reading uh, Marco Arment's big sort of podcasting gear rundown thing. Um, that was. That was, that was a good excuse to actually not do a podcast while thinking about doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it worked. Um, it worked out okay in the end. I ended up with um, uh, what is it? I've got the pile, pile mic. It's um, it's like a super cheap rip off of a of a Shaw mic. Yeah. Um, reading on the internet, there's there's a lot of uh, quite highly respected. Uh, People in the field that say, "Yeah, the pile mic is uh, it's actually pretty close to the shore," so I was I wasn't expecting much from it, um, but still got it, it still works, um, <laughs> so that's all good. I mean, you've stuck um, with um, USB though, haven't you? 
I have in the end. So the mic that I bought initially was um, it was a, a Snowball mic, USB, and I had it plugged straight into into my MacBook. And the reasoning for that for me was was I just wanted something that would stand on my desk that was basically just going to get the job done. And I'd been burnt a few years ago with a very bad uh, audio mixer, which had electronic hum on it, um, sort of background noise. And so I wanted something that was USB so that it was immediately its own interface and I didn't have to run anything extra. Mm -hmm. But the mic itself wasn't really that good. Um, I think it's fair to say my audio on our, our first our first few weeks, our first couple of months or so, was uh, my audio was not as good as yours because I had you know the inferior setup really in terms of, of the microphone. Wasn't yours a condenser mic, a snowball? Y- yes, it was. Yeah, so I think they're on the whole for podcasting. If you're in a, an environment that isn't set up as a studio. I think you're more susceptible to things like echoes and sort of bangs and knocks from around the house coming through, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, um, very much so. Um, that reminds me, actually, of our first episode. Um, I had to go from my house. I had to leave my house, rather, and, and go around to my mother's house to record <laughs> because we had very, very noisy neighbours. So, yeah, our, our, our first episode very nearly didn't happen. I, um, I was getting ready to record and it was it was on a weekday and it was in in the morning but of course that's when they had the builders in <laughs> and yeah so I, I hightailed it across across town used her internet and scrolled myself away in in the back of her house uh, made sure that we we actually recorded and actually got that first episode together because the yeah the the tendency to kind of just go oh, no I'm too nervous and there's this noise and I'm going to just put it off. I, I knew that was going to be a potential thing. So when, when you said about the noise and I, I think I said to you, Oh yeah, if, if, if it doesn't work out today, don't, don't worry about it. Cause I felt exactly the same way. I was like, Oh yeah, I've almost gotten away with it. <laughs> there's been circumstances beyond my control that have made this not happen. And it's, that's fine. <laughs> but I, I didn't have to feel quite so bad that I'd actually called it off. It'd been something else that had caused it. Yeah, and that that's a, a, a proper sign of, of procrastination combined with a bit of, of nervousness, really. Yeah, massive. Um, I'm so so glad that we did just sort of get that first episode done, and then we got it out there, and people actually listened to us. That that was something that I, I was quite surprised by. I think I convinced myself in in my head that that nobody would bother listening at all, and that maybe you know maybe my mum would check it out just to see what I've been up to that day and that'd probably be about it yeah. <laughs> yeah so glad that we did just sort of buy the bullet and get started and I think you know that that can probably be said about so many different things really it's, it's that sort of same story every time that if there's something you want to do you, you do just need to put one foot in front of the other and just go and do it I think that's why I was glad once I'd sort of bought all my mic stuff that that was out of the way and every week I could just focus on doing the actual recording every week um, yeah rather than getting bogged down in, in all the gear and you know do, do i need a mic boom do i need a mic stand do i need another pop filter so just just get some stuff plug it in and do a podcast every week and let, let that be the challenge not can you find a microphone that's you know slightly better for this that or the other um yeah, yeah I, th- I think as kind of like a an introverted software developer podcasting is quite a strange thing to do in a way 
Um, but nevertheless, I'm glad I've I have done it. I'm glad I am doing it. Um, and yeah, let's let's keep it going. I think is is where I'm at with it. Yep, absolutely. I, th- I think it brings something positive, um, sort of back into into my weekly routine as well. I think it's good to have these conversations, and I think the the interactions we've had with people that listen to the podcast as well they continue to be very positive so yeah i mean i haven't had anything sort of negative in that sense every time i've had to you know speak to somebody about the podcast it's been it's been good and it's it's always good to meet new people um i say meet new people (laughs) talk to new people (laughs) on the internet (laughs) so um so just touching on gear and things again um probably worth noting that you kind of accidentally bought a new mic at some point do you maybe maybe want to explain yourself (laughs) Um, so i was chronically aware that my snowball mic was not going to cut it uh in terms of how you were saying before about having your setup sorted and that, that not needing to be something that you worry about i was worried about my snowball mic letting me down and I started browsing microphones quite often. Uh, and I knew what I wanted. I wanted something that was, um, again, a USB mic that I could plug directly in. I wanted something that potentially just came with a stand that I could use quite comfortably on a desk anywhere because I knew that we were likely to be moving to New Zealand at that point. It was already on the cards. And I wanted to make sure that I could take whatever mic with me on the plane so I didn't want it to be sort of locked up on on a, um, a box on the boat. Mm, yeah. So I started browsing mics and I knew that I wanted the Audio Technicana. It is the ATR2100. And it was a little bit difficult actually to find stock within the UK that was not sort of obscene prices. So I had a look around and it looked like they'd been in stock and then were no longer really for sale and the ones that were remaining were kind of being sold off at about maybe 125 150 pounds okay and yeah so i started like watching things on ebay and um just watching things on on amazon as well sticking things on wish lists and i found one that was at a more reasonable price and i woke up the next morning and amazon had sent me an email saying your microphone is on its way due for delivery next week or, or whenever it was. And I sort of looked, hang on a second. And, and what had happened is that I had genuinely hit the wrong button thinking I'd put it into a wish list that night before whilst I was on my phone sort of half awake looking, looking at mics. Mm. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's my genuine story that I am <laughs> genuinely sticking to. <laughs> But suffice to say, I was happy with the mic. I didn't want to send it back once it arrived. And that, that mic has travelled with me to New Zealand and is is still serving me well now. So where, where's the snowball? Have you still got the snowball? Or is that... No, I, I sold that. That's been um, eBayed, I suppose. Yeah, it was eBayed um, yeah. just before we left. I, I eBayed an awful lot of things before we left the UK <clears> and, <throat> and that was one of them. <laughs> So <laughs> it had sort of sat in like a its its original box just on the shelf, sort of waiting to go after I got the ATR. I mean, I suppose I should probably um, just quickly describe my setup briefly. Um, I mean, I didn't really have to move to the other side of the world, um, and I generally stay in one place when I podcast. Um, 
Today, obviously, though, being an exception because I'm now in Cornwall. <laughs> so I've taken all of my gear in a bag and I've set up in a back room of where I'm staying. Um, I went for a different approach. I went for a USB interface. I've got the Tascam US 2x2. Um, so I plug a, an XLR mic into that and then I plug the Tascam into my MacBook and then that is essentially the setup. Um, I quite like it because if I wanted to upgrade my mic in the future, I could do that um, at a reasonable price because um, it would be just an XLR mic I would need to buy as opposed to a, a whole USB mic. Um, and I suppose I'm so I'm kind of making my setup more modular um, because the kind of USB interface that I have is separate to the mic, whereas with the USB mic, it's kind of all baked into the mic. So I guess there's potential risk of more failure there. Um, and I think probably the best thing of the whole setup is my mic boom. I could not be without my mic boom. Um, <laughs> that is that has been an absolute godsend, the mic boom. Um, just being able to position the mic pretty much wherever I need it in sort of 3D space. Because when you are podcasting for like maybe an hour, you, know, you can sort of get uncomfortable and you need to move around um, and having the mic boom has been it's been a big deal for me um if you haven't got one and you're podcasting i recommend it yeah it's uh, now that i've got a more sort of permanent setup where we are i should probably look at investing in the same same sort of thing to be honest with you mm, yeah but, and uh, also it's worth noting i am um, strapped my pop filter onto it as well it's kind of got like a little clamp that i can clamp onto the the arm of the mic boom so oh, everything kind of hangs off of it which is which works really well very neat setup. Mm, um, okay. I think one thing you were saying about um, about future proofing with the microphone and having the sort of separate USB interface. There's a good side to the Audio Technica, Technicana mic that I've got, which is it can be used as an XLR mic as well. So oh, I don't have yeah. So if I wanted to get a separate interface, I could carry on using this microphone and I could kind of go that route sort oh, of nice. over time. Yeah. That that was actually sort of quite crucial to me, me picking it up because, uh, yeah, a similar kind of worry in terms of uh, will I always use USB even, you know, uh, looking at sort of USB-C and the way things are going there. I sort of figured, well, with this microphone, I can always put it onto a different audio interface if I wanted to as well. So did you want to touch on how we actually record the show? Yeah, yeah, so I think that that actually took a little bit of working out when we first started, and I seem to remember it almost being quite a last minute sort of decision as well. Um, so we use Audio Hijack to actually record the audio, don't we? Uh, yeah. So we each record our own tracks locally on, yes. our, on our machines. Yeah. Because um, you, you do get some podcasts that um, just kind of record the Skype track of everyone talking, and then that. That in itself is is the podcast. Um, yep. Although I think you can generally tell when that's the case because the audio sounds a lot worse. Yeah, um, or you end up with one person sounding reasonable, but that's the person who's recording, and then everybody else is slightly compressed. Um, yeah, so we use Audio Hijack. I think we both sort of buy it about ten minutes before we started recording, or <laughs> something ridiculous. Yeah, pretty like much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember thinking oh how how are we going to record the podcast um okay quickly buy audio hijack and then you were like yeah okay i'll do the same um yeah because i think the intention was um to record ourselves locally and for each of us to record the skype track as well as as redundancy yes which obviously audio hijack lets you sort of tap into different um apps on your machine that are running and record the audio out of it so that was the kind of motivation behind it 
if we were just recording ourselves locally, I suppose we could have just used um, QuickTime. Yeah, yeah, we could have used QuickTime. I think I do prefer using Audio Hijack, though, because it does sort of feel quite solid. Um, although, we, I don't know about you, but I think we've stopped kind of recording the Skype track, and I'm not sure why. Are, uh, you, are you recording it? I just it found myself... Time? Yeah, so I don't, I don't bother. I switched switch max a few months ago and when i did i had to recreate my audio hijack setup and i just didn't bother <laughs> um, you should maybe do that <laughs> yeah i guess so a real shame if oh. one of our recordings would fail yeah yeah maybe one of us at least should yeah. but i mean that that is one of the bonuses of audio hijack though you can set up as many different sort of input output streams as you want um in each project and yeah, you hit record and they all go at the same time. So you can have your um, your direct feed, your local feed from the microphone through to a recorder. And you can also have the feed from Skype itself through to a separate recorder. And like I say, when you, when you hit that record button, they both record at the same time. So everything is just sort of you know, as synchronized as it could be. And I think in terms of recording, um, one of the biggest shifts we've had is actually... Um, the way we need to be more disciplined about when we record, especially with, yep. especially with the move to New Zealand. I mean, when you were in the UK, we would we'd normally aim for Sunday morning, about yes. sort of nine, nine o'clock, wasn't it? We'd sort of aim for um, pretty much, yeah. And then I think sort of as we'd done it for maybe a few months, that started getting pushed back. Like, oh, let's just do it on Tuesday evening, or let's do it on Wednesday night, and we would sort yep. of put it off and do it at random times. Um, but definitely, since the move to New Zealand, we've had to uh, we've had to sort of get ourselves in line a bit more. Because when when I'm recording on eight in the morning UK time, it's your nine PM. I'm right in saying at the moment, yes, at the moment, yeah. yeah. So really, we that's already kind of pushing it in a way. Because if if this goes on for two hours, and you're instantly at eleven PM on a Sunday night, having to get up for yes. work the next day, so yeah. we have these very small windows now. So in a way, I think that's been good. Because it, it makes it more set in stone, and and if you know if you're going to do any preparation for the show, you know you have to do your preparation before then. You can't sort of yes. think, oh well, we'll just do it on Monday night because I haven't had time. It's it, it makes you have to make more of a concerted effort. But I think actually overall that's <laughs> been really good. Um, I think it's been good for me to have a sort of specific kind of timing, and I think there's a level of irony actually right now because this is actually one of the weeks where we've had to mess with that timing slightly. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we're recording a day earlier aren't we it's your saturday morning at the moment and it's my saturday night mm-hmm. uh because yeah i had to rock the boat i've got to go out tomorrow night so yeah Unbelievable. um <laughs> <laughs> but that that's the thing as well is that you know it's, it's good to have a, a regular time something that is kind of diarized but equally you do need to have backup plans and alternatives because life happens. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess, I mean, the, the time zone difference has made that a little bit more pronounced, but I do remember there was one morning not long after I'd moved over where I got up really early and I think we recorded your evening, my morning. Mm-hmm. I, I, was that, it must have been a work morning because I, I do sort of remember... I, I was up early, we recorded, and then I packed up and, yeah, got on the bus. So 
but that was that was quite early in that was not long after we'd sort of come over because we were still living in the the temporary accommodation that we were in so yeah that because i remember the room there was was very cold <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't have a gas leak maybe you thought you had a gas leak in leicester once and we had to cancel oh yes yes <laughs> tra- trans go out we really did smell gas again that was our neighbors renovating next door (laughs) (laughs) it's always like those neighbors didn't want this podcast to happen uh i think they were gently inspiring me and my wife to make sure that we moved (laughs) looking back i kind of take it as as being the uh the sort of not so subtle hint from the universe if you like to uh to not stay put in that house at least (laughs) (laughs) That leads us on to how we edit the podcast. Um, you kind of led with this, I would say, at the beginning because I really didn't know much about, you know, garage band or or anything. Any kind of, I've never really touched that kind of thing. Um, whereas I think you've had a bit of a background in it, I suppose, from your VJing. A little bit, yes. I've had to do some basic audio editing before, and some of the concepts, you know, around like the the filtering and effects. Uh, with with things I had to sort of do a few years ago but it's fair to say I was learning on the fly as well to sort of start off with Um, I I had no idea really how to sort of keep everything together which I was really quite worried about to begin with I thought I was going to end up sort of having to align every single fragment of audio um, which I think it depending on how you go about editing itself even in garage band you can make sort of life really difficult for yourself actually it it sort of comes down to where you trim and where you put the cuts and making sure you sort of cut both tracks at the same time yeah so initially when we started out i was doing sort of most of the editing wasn't i pretty much yeah um and then i would kind of take care of the posting it to you know where we host it and tweeting about it and things like that um yeah but i think that's kind of shifted quite just for no real reason just organically i'd say over time um yes in that now one of us generally takes the lead that week and does i guess what we'd call a rough cut yeah where we just kind of take both of our audio tracks which usually contain a load of nonsense of us talking about whatever at the beginning and then when we go massively off topic at the end, <laughs> so we kind yeah. of get rid of that, put it into our kind of show template where we've got our intro and our outro and then generally break up any um, sort of clear sections in the show with maybe a little interlude, which is where you kind of just hear the music for a couple of seconds and we dive into a new section. Yep. Um, and then the other one of us generally will do what we call a micro edit. And yep. that's where you kind of go through the show in GarageBand, almost like with a fine-tooth comb. So when I do it, um, I'm looking for the sort of small imperfections like ums and errs, long pauses that maybe don't need to be there. Um, and in a way, that kind of takes the pressure off a lot when we record because you know, when, when you record a podcast, it doesn't always go as it, as it sounds on the podcast sometimes, if, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, there are moments where... It's kind of like there's a big gap and it's like, uh, what do we say next? Um, thankfully, the edit can get rid of some of that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was some of the detail that I agonised sort of over to start with. You know, you sort of get this idea that, that it's got to be absolutely perfect and 
I found myself almost writing little scripts of things I wanted to say and that doesn't really work very well. I think what works is actually just talking. So having that editing process sort of really lets us just get on and talk. No, absolutely. I think that you really run the risk of it sounding artificial if you're not careful. Um, especially like you say, if you've written like almost little mini speeches as your notes and then you're waiting for a good point for you to just reel off that speech. Um, yeah, you can, you can definitely tell when that, when that's happened uh, or maybe, well, I yeah. definitely can when I've done it, which isn't, isn't the best. I think it's just no. keep notes simple and conversation organic and just see what happens. That's kind of the, what I enjoy about the podcast is I don't really know what's going to happen when we hit record. Like we've got some notes and yeah, we've got some pointers to go off of, but I don't particularly know where you're going to take the conversation in as much as I'm not sure where I'm going to take it when you respond to me. So <laughs> it, it kind of, that's kind of one of what I think I like about podcasting as a medium in general. Yeah. I think it sort of keeps that, that kind of loose form, that, that genuineness. And you know, like, like we've said already, really, I, I don't particularly want to listen to two people just reeling off a script. Uh, I certainly don't want to, to hear it 10 times over when we're editing either. Uh, <laughs> that's something else. I think when you do the edit, you, you sort of become quite aware of all of your faults as a speaker. Yes. Yes, you definitely do. That, that <laughs> editing and, and that side of it doesn't necessarily let you get rid of every imperfection. And so there's always bits that I sort of go, oh, what did I really sound like that? Um, and equally being aware of some of, those imperfections doesn't mean that I can stop myself from doing them very well either. I think there's a whole other psychology to sort of like speech coaching or whatever it would be to sort of improve that side of things. Uh, but I'd like to hope that I have improved a little bit since we started. You know, I think um, certainly the, the the sort of type of editing I had to do at the beginning with the podcast, we I don't have to do in the same way now. Although the thing I really don't like is hearing my own voice still. That still really gets me. I don't I think that ever leaves you. No, I thought after a few episodes I'd get used to it, but oh, I, I really don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that's actually why our sort of two-part editing process that we do these days works quite well. Because that that sort of initial kind of taking not taking the machete to it, but but cutting it up and putting things in order um, is one sort of form of editing. And I can sort of listen and go, okay, well, I don't like myself there, but whatever, I'll, you know, let's get things in the right order. And then goes over to you to do the micro edit and you can kind of get rid of the bits um, of me that I'd sort of got fed up with listening to as well. So you, <laughs> you can sort of fine tune what I've done. Um, and equally, I've probably already done a bit of that to you before I've handed it over too. So I think we sort of round out each other a little bit in that way. Yeah. Um, and then some it's... weeks, some weeks we alternate with who does the rough cut and who does the micro edit. And I think that's healthy too. Yeah. And I think that just generally falls on availability that week, doesn't it? If you, if you've got a tight week, then I'll, yeah, you know, maybe start it or do some of the micro edit and, and whatever. And I think that's that's good that we can sort of lean on each other like that. If one of us is having a week where we're just really struggling for time, then we we can both yeah. turn turn an episode out, which is really quite valuable, actually. I'm just thinking back, thinking back to you know, everything that's happened over the last year and one thing that hits me with it is that we have always managed to make sure the show goes out each week. 
um, on a <laughs> Thursday UK Spain. time. <laughs> even when you were in Spain, even when I was leaving the UK, I think we had an ep- episode actually went live, um, like scheduled and went out as I was sort of traveling through America. Yeah, I think you just uh, left San Francisco and I, I posted yep. an episode. You were somewhere over the Pacific yep. at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember, having, uh, did I message you while I was in the airport or something? Um, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we had, we've had, you know, life go on and I've shifted countries. We've, we've had a big move and yet we've managed to sort of look ahead and make sure that we've, we've queued episodes up for, you know, weeks where we've needed to take weeks off. Um, and equally we've managed to make sure that the sort of general editing and just getting stuff ready happens and, and the episode goes out. And I think being regular in that way has been you know, very healthy in terms of, of how we've looked at doing the podcast itself. So hmm. it's, it's been been good for us to just make sure that it's regular. And I think it's good for our listeners as well, because I don't know about you, but when I listen to a podcast, I kind of get used to when that podcast lands. I sort of look out for it. You know, I know on Monday I'll get a certain episode of whatever, Tuesday it's something else. And I like to think that hopefully for our listeners are being regular and sort of staying on it as it's been useful to them too. Okay, so hosting was something that we had to sort out up front right at the beginning. You know, how are we going to put this podcast out? And I thought it was going to potentially be a bit of a rabbit hole sort of in terms of do we self-host? I saw other people doing it with um, with things like they put the episodes up on places like SoundCloud or even GitHub. Um, and as long as the, the RSS points to the right place, you know, a podcast will generally work. And so I, I sort of felt a bit bamboozled as to where to start in terms of putting a podcast out. And thankfully, we found Fireside, which is a sort of all-in-one you pay them pay them a fee, you upload the episodes, and then they've got a domain and everything is there. The RSS is set up correctly. It's done in a way that it gets picked up nicely by, by Apple uh, when, when they index it. And, you know, that got us started. So that potential sort of um, decision gridlock that, that was there at the start was, was taken away by just choosing a service, uploading the episodes and paying the fee. It was it was very good for us at that beginning stage where either one of us could have kind of wussed out of it as well. And I think, um, you know, having a service that was paid for and that we could just get the audio ready and put it there and it was done was, was absolutely what we needed to do to just get started. Mm, yeah, and it, like I say, it could have turned into the whole choosing your mic setup all over again, couldn't it? It had that yeah. level of you know, rabbit holeness to it that we could have just gone on for ages. Um which is kind of where we're at now, I suppose. <laughs> in a weird sort of kind of year way. down the line, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's okay now because we, you know, we've been doing it a year. Um, we know that this is now kind of a thing, and we can now sort of take more control of it. Um, looking further into the future, because now we kind of think this is going to go on further into the future. We can start making decisions like that. Um, so, hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, when this will land on Thursday. Um, 
we should have our new website live and we're going to sort of change how we host the podcast. So, uh, as you said a minute ago, Dave, everything's now currently has been until this point hosted with Fireside, which has been, you know, been awesome just to get us going and allowing us to focus on the show. Um, but now we're changing things up a little bit. So we're actually going to be hosting our audio on Amazon S3, which, um, works out to be pretty cheap it is uh for the data center where we're storing it because it varies on which data center you choose it's 24 cents per gigabyte of disk space that you take up and then you pay nine cents per gigabyte of data that you transfer so if an average podcast is 20 meg um 50 listens of it will make a gigabyte which costs us nine cents so it's it's pretty affordable um yeah I think it's probably worth mentioning Forecast at this point, um, a tool that Marco Arment um, has sort of released quite recently, actually, um, in that it allows us to take our export from GarageBand as a, a WAV file, chuck it into Forecast, add our artwork. Um, we can add chapters and custom artwork if we want to, although right now we don't. Um, but crucially, it um, encodes us an MP3 file that is... Uh, you know, a, a decent size. So we, at the moment, we're going at sixty-four kilobits per second mono, um, which seems to yeah. seems to sound good. Um, yeah. So yeah, forecast has been quite good in helping us sort of. It's become more important to us now because when we're fireside, it's just upload what you want, use what you want. You just pay a monthly fee, but now we're sort of paying as you go. Um, the fact that forecast <laughs> can help us bring bring the episode episode size down. Um, that actually sort of affects the bill we pay so that that's that's a good thing yeah yeah and I, I quite like um getting the episode sizes down anyway because on the other side of it that is our listeners bandwidth it's potentially cellular data mm. so you know get getting that file size down is is a good thing and we're not broadcasting music we're not doing anything that needs lots of you know high definition so yeah, it's it's good. And, and forecast, I'm just quite blown away with because the way that it encodes, it also, I think it optimizes, doesn't it, in terms of, of how speech is encoded. It sort of picks encoding settings that, that still end up sounding reasonable on the other side. Is that the variable bitrate thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, really very impressed. I, I couldn't really tell the difference between uh, our, our pre- forecast recordings and our posts so yeah i mean like an episode an, ep an episode that would have been sort of 40 or 50 meg out of garage band we're now getting down to 16 or 17 so that's it that's a huge improvement for basically no effort on our part so um yeah thanks marco yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we host the audio um so the actual audio files themselves live on s3 and then we're going to be sort of rolling our own website and rss feed ourselves so we'll be using a combination of wordpress with a plugin called blueberry so blueberry is the plugin that allows us to go into wordpress um, post an episode and then we link to the file on s3 to make sure that you get rooted to the audio when um you know you, you view the the podcast um blueberry also gives us our stats so they provide their own link which sits between the rss feed and the audio so when you hit the RSS feed on an episode, 
the link to the audio, you go to a Blueberry link first, they count you as a listen, and then forward you on to the audio. So that's how our, our stats are currently, or will be collected, hopefully by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and as for where we host the website, um, we're just kind of hosting with a, a re- regular kind of uh, a web host. Um, there's tons of them out there um, that are really affordable. So I think the main takeaway from this, without diving too deep into the weeds on how we're doing everything, is that you can run a podcast pretty affordably i mean i think we're probably going to be coming out at what five dollars a month roughly yep with you know the bandwidth charges from s3 and our web hosting um and obviously when we split that between two i mean that's that's not even a dollar a week between us uh, for for each one of us so yeah that's uh, (laughs) pretty pretty, affordable pretty affordable yeah um probably worth noting also and kind of announcing that we're posting all of our episodes to YouTube as well. Um, we've been doing that for some time, but we haven't really talked about it. And so I suppose no. now is probably a good time to a good a time as any to do that. Yeah, it's, it's it's a funny one because I think I've been quite happy to have those those sort of episodes posted there, but I don't think it's necessarily our primary sort of listening area. So it's been a bit weird to sort of say, oh, hey, we're doing this now because I, I kind of assume that sort of everybody who follows us on Twitter and, and that side of things is probably already subscribing or if they were going to listen to us would subscribe through a podcast reader. Yeah, uh, but then I suppose there's always the odd view that might find us on YouTube. Um, I mean, they may even find us just through sort of keyword searching for general things on YouTube and we pop up and yeah, maybe, maybe they'll listen. Um, yeah. I mean, YouTube is great in that it's it's totally free. Um, the only thing that's required is from us is that once we've kind of signed off the audio, I'll chuck it into a video. <laughs> and when I say video, it is literally just our logo that slowly changes size over the course <laughs> of the video. <laughs> like it just kind of like sort of pans in. Very, you won't even notice it. Um, you have to kind of like look at the beginning and the end to to notice the change in size. Um, <laughs> kind of like a Ken Burns effect going on there. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then I just chuck that up to YouTube, um, and and that's just con- kind of considered done, really. Um, although transcripts might be a good thing to talk about. Now we're actually talking about YouTube. Um, yeah, yeah. So when we started uploading things into YouTube, we noticed that it automatically uh, transcribed the episode into subtitles. We, we had that option available to us, didn't we? Um, you could just sort of flick the tab um, and, and YouTube itself will go and do that. And that's that's been some sort of something that we've wanted to do for a while in terms of just having transcripts for the show that we could add on to, to our website. And with, with this sort of like website rebrand that we're doing at the moment and, and all the rebuilding that we've been doing um, to sort of move onto our own domain, I know we knew that we wanted transcripts yeah, and YouTube actually turned out to be just kind of something we discovered. And it's like, oh, well, actually, YouTube's doing like 80% of the work here for us. Um, yeah. And it does it really quite well. I, I When I saw it did its own subtitles, which it derives from the audio, I thought, oh, yeah, here we go. Let's see, let's see what it comes out with. But actually, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> and I know yeah. you, played, you played with a, a separate standalone tool that you feed the audio into and what it came out with was was comical i thought <laughs> i can't believe oh, it. it was a joke uh-huh. um yeah i mean i don't want to to sort of run down somebody else's app here but it, it was marketed at recording meetings and i played a clear feed of audio into it 
from you know uh, my my laptop sat right next to my iPad doing the recording, and it just struggled so badly to sort of pick <laughs> anything up. <laughs> I, th- I think one day we should just sort of put out the transcript that that, that app does put it <laughs> alongside the, the the one that we've now ended up with because yeah, it's comical, very comical. Um, but but no, with, the... uh, with YouTube, I think we've um, come up with quite a cool cool workflow um in that uh we'll make two videos one containing your audio one containing my audio upload them separately to youtube keep them private so obviously they don't go out as real videos but then youtube will process them in the background and sort of give us the subtitles um and i suppose maybe you should uh, talk a little bit about this dave because you wrote quite a cool script that uh takes the subtitle file and does some cool stuff with it yeah, so we end up with two SRT files once YouTube's sort of done its thing and generated its its transcripts for us. Uh, so we've got one each. And I've got a nice little tool. It's a, a Mac um, a Mac app, actually. But it's a command line app, so it's so a no app kit for me. Uh, <laughs> coded entirely in Swift as well. And it reads the SRT file for, for one each for both of us and um so it reads both of those files brings them into itself and, and essentially passes the srt file um, and turns each little bubble of text that it produces into um into its own struct it sort of brings everything in so i can then manipulate the data and at that point what we end up with once this has sort of done its magic is we've got the entire transcript for the whole show issued back out as a spreadsheet file with every single sort of um, piece of text that YouTube has generated for us in the right order but tagged with our names and with a little bit of um, sort of sensible kind of merging of lines as well so when, when you do an SRT file you end up with lots of sort of small bits of lines like bits of text that are the beginnings of sentences and then sort of split over the time that they show. So an SRT file is is indexed in such a way that the text that is being displayed has a sort of starting time and an ending time to display on screen, which is is great when you're watching a video and, and you're playing back subtitles to sort of read in real time. But when you're trying to put together a transcript, it's not so good. You've got lots of little lines. So the script that we've got now merges lines together where it's appropriate to do so where it's the same person speaking and obviously because we do this kind of to me to you uh style of show where where only one of us is really sort of in the driving seat to talk at any one time that means that we then sort of end up with nice neat sentences out of the other end but in a spreadsheet we can then bring that through to google docs um, and at that point, we can then edit it and sort of get rid of the sort of small mistakes that Google does make. You know, no, no tool that does speech to text is going to be perfect, uh, at least not yet. And uh, so we we can then correct that um, and, and kind of just work it through until we've got the transcript in such a form that it's it's good to go and, and copy and paste to the website. Yeah, it it is a case of just listening to the show back while reading it, I think is um, the only way you're going to get it sort of spot on or to, to a point yeah. you're happy. Um, and sometimes the way we talk doesn't always lend itself naturally to, to written form. 
So you sometimes no. do have to kind of chuck out a few words that we would put in in conversation that just make it read really weirdly. Um, but I think the hope is for me anyway that if we're talking about a certain topic, then the fact that we've got so much text on the site about that through our transcript will hopefully make us more visible um, via you know, SEO and Google. Um, so that you know, hopefully we can maybe reach even more people that might be interested in the show. So, and not only that, if we want to sort of think, oh, when 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 do we say about that on the show? We can we can just search it. So that's um, that's another cool <laughs> benefit as well. Okay, so that's probably um, enough about how we make the show and things like that. Um, before we uh, before we go, we thought we'd just talk about where we might want the want the show to go. Um, now we feel like we're more in control. We've uh, got our domain name waitingforreview.com which hopefully when you listen to this if you go to it we'll have a website there um it's not there yet i'm really sorry <laughs> <laughs> it will be there really soon um, but yeah i think um looking back over the last year we've um we've had some guests on the show which i think for me has been a personal personal highlight we've had some really great guests and i think yeah. i'd probably like to see more of that actually over the next over the next 12 months i don't know about you dave yeah, I'd certainly like to have like over, over this next year. I'd like to have a few more guests on. I think the difficult thing is going to be sort of juggling the time zones. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think it naturally leads us to sort of looking for guests that are closer to one or the other of our time zones who can do similar times. But <laughs> um, I don't Isha know. Heidu I mean, on. I think Ish was up at like five in the morning or something to come on the show. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, and 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 she's um, she's closer to my new time zone now as well. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd I'd very much like to have Ish and Heidi back on at some point this year. They they were awesome guests, and I'd, I'd like us to sort of have have a few other people on too. Yeah, absolutely. And and also now we've got our sort of domain name and our site. One thing I'd quite like to do is maybe kind of create like a mini sort of blog on the site where. Um, I've been thinking I need to get back into blogging again for ages. And I say get back into blogging. What I mean by that is actually start blogging <laughs> after several failed attempts. Um, and I figured, you know, the, the waiting for review.com would be a good place to do that. Um, and maybe, and if I could blog there, why can't other people blog there as well? I mean, like if you wanted to write stuff, that would be a good place for you to write stuff as well. Yeah. E- equally, if there's sort of other iOS developers that are, you know, sort of into the show and want to blog there as well, then I think that would be great. And actually that could become quite a valuable little resource to maybe people that are looking to get into iOS development. And then there's other iOS developers that are writing posts about things. That could be awesome. Um, so yes. I think sort of making it more of a, making the podcast more of a community is what I'd like to see over the next 12 months. Um, you know, whether that's through more guests, through sort of having guest bloggers, on our blog that doesn't exist yet, but might do soon. <laughs> and also in our, uh, in our Slack channel as well. Yeah. The, the Slack channel actually has been quite a brilliant thing to have as well. We've, we've had quite a few people join over this last year and, you know, it comes and goes. Sometimes the conversation is sort of, yeah, it's quite a lot of it. And, and sometimes, you know, it can go, go a few days or whatever, but it's, it's been great to sort of have other people, that have listened to the show come in and then start interacting with each other and helping each other out as well. That's, that's been really quite awesome to see. Mm, 
yeah, and hopefully it'll be um, easier for people to join as well when the uh, the website that is now hopefully live is live because <laughs> it now has a, uh, a button where you can ask to join um, with a form you can fill out which will send us um, uh, a notification to let us know that you want to join and then we can get you signed up with an invite. So that's uh, that's hopefully going to make that process a lot easier as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, by all means, people can still reach out to us over Twitter if they want, but it's uh, it's just a lot easier now with the new website, isn't it? Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast, and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHeads spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? Yeah, you can find my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com, my latest app to help kids learn to read. You can find at spacereaders.com and on Twitter, I'm at underscore Dave Knott.